Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. What's up, you guys? How are you guys doing? I am here with Bobby, Ed, and Mike. Can I, can Micah, like, is that, we're on a first name basis already, just like, just jump right in. Like, the best of buds, and I really do appreciate you guys getting on for a few moments, and really what I wanted to just talk about is obviously we're in the midst of COVID-19, right? You know, a month ago, two months ago, most of us would have not um, been able to predict that we would be in this kind of state, you know, not, we thought it was a, a pandemic or it was something that was that was happening for other countries, but it's not something that we would have to necessarily deal with in North America. But um, two months later, we are now in it. We are in it and it looks like we're in it for the foreseeable future, you know, and for a while. And so that has, um, and as, as you guys are on here, knowing that you guys are all missiologists, church planners, practitioners, you know, and, and one of the things that I recognize is that context matters, right? And so in the midst of recognizing that context matters, you know, with the SIN network, we've had a lot of different various variety of questions that have come, missiological questions, church planning questions, whether or not it's okay to plant churches. And, and also some people have seen the fruitfulness actually of going online, you know, and so we're starting to see like in the, in the emergence of that and people are wanting, asking the questions, hey, is it okay for us to plant churches online, to stay online, to do campuses online? And so really what I wanted to do is just get us on for, you know, a little bit and just talk for about 20 or so minutes and just say, what is, what are we seeing? You know, we're just kind of like, what are we seeing right now when, when it comes to the online church? Do we see this as the foreseeable future? Um, is like, what's going to happen post, you know, COVID-19? And just really just wanting to get some of the, the people's, get the people your opinion. So, before, if you guys can just give a little background on just kind of your your history with the church, and then and then we can kind of go. Bobby, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, so my background actually is in business many years ago. Um, in fact, Ed was talking about this degree behind me on the wall here, making a comment about it, but it's not a theology degree. In fact, actually, that one's actually just an honorary doctorate, so it doesn't really mean anything in terms of my knowledge set. So my degree's in finance, though, so I'm not a theologian. Um, but I've been in ministry at Life Church. Um, I started in 2001, so it's been uh, 19 years that I've been on staff at Life Church. And uh, my connection to the topic we're talking about is um, back in 2006, I started something called Church Online you know, here at the church, and we've done online community and ministry as an online ministry of our church for, I guess, that's the last 14 years. And, um, and so it's been very much a part of what we've been investing in and doing, and then we take the technology that we make available to do it and share that with other churches. And of course, right now during this COVID-19 thing, that's been a really uh, amazing tool we've been able to provide uh, several, I mean, I think about 23,000 churches have signed up to use it in the last four weeks. And so mm -hmm. it's free, but it's a resource that we're trying to use to help churches that are not just trying to get their message online and stream it, but to actually create community and conversation that sort of thing around it. So for so that's my connection, my background really quick uh, of the things that I've been involved in. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Ed, what about you? 
Uh, I planted, uh, depending on how you count, six churches um, and kind of focused in research and missiology for the last several years. I'm on staff of uh, two churches, one finishing up an interim at Moody Church, where, where, of course, we've been streaming for a long time. Radio is actually kind of Moody's bread and butter. And then High Point Church was a multi-site uh, church with uh, a lot of online engagement in the western suburbs of Chicago. Came here to the Billy Graham Center from Lifeway Research, where I served for to about 10 years there as well. Okay, thank you. Micah? Yeah, so I've been um, serving the church for about 21 years now. I um, pastored for a long time in the Kansas City, Missouri area and uh, served overseas as a church planner in West Africa. And then I worked for Ed for three or four years, so that's got to be worth some sort of experience there. And then uh, I've been been, uh, pastoring now in the Chattanooga area for just almost four years. Um, right, right on the border of Tennessee and Georgia. And we, I mean, we've been, we do, you know, we put our, our uh, sermons online, uh, but we actually, since uh, COVID-19 has arrived, we thank you, Bobby, we've been using the online church platform for the last month. We're one of those 23,000 churches that signed up in the last month. And uh, we've been using it every week to uh, connect with our, with our church community. That is awesome. All right, before we kind of get into the, you know, some of the, the heart of the matter, I, I would like to just know, like, based upon COVID-19, what have you guys seen as some of the advantages and disadvantages of just simply the online, being online and the online model? Michael, why don't we start with you since you're the, the newest to the game? Yeah, so, I mean... So I think that it has been incredibly helpful, particularly using more than just putting our our services online, but actually using, like, for instance, the online church platform where we can engage with one another through conversations while the the service is going on. We've got, you know, a giving module. We've got an opportunity for people to respond and say, hey, I've trusted Christ, that sort of thing. In the absence of gathered community, it has allowed us to facilitate that as close as, as closely as possible without actually being in the room, you know, together with one another. And so, uh, you know, our view is we'd still rather be in the room with one another, but in the absence of that right now, it has allowed us to do almost, I mean, just as close as I think you could possibly get without actually being in the space together. Yeah, that's good. So, Bobby, you said you've been doing it since 2004, 2006. What, what did 2006. you... 2006. So since 2006, I mean, what was the impetus of you guys going online and what have you seen over the years of those kind of advantages and disadvantages? Yeah. So, I mean, there's um, the, the, the actual original um, impetus is a really strange story, but I won't get too deep into it for time, but it, it was inspired by a pro wrestling website that I owned years ago, back when I was in business, because it was an online community around the topic of pro wrestling, which sounds crazy, but it was a really, thriving community of people that would interact every day. And as, as I became a pastor at the church, it just kept going through my mind that surely technology could be used as a way to facilitate community uh, around church or to create church community. If it could be used for that purpose, maybe we could like redeem it or use it in this way. And that, that initially is what inspired it. Um, when we started it, um, we were thinking primarily about reaching people outside the geographic reach of our church. And at least that was our mindset, you know, like being able to extend to other parts of the earth um, to reach people and try to connect people that way. It kind of became a hybrid of several things. It became a way that people that were in our physical communities would come to the church via the online church first and get familiar and experience that and get comfortable with it and then come step inside the physical doors of our church. In other Mm -hmm. cases, people that were part of our physical church community might travel 
and get more, you know, have a job that takes them around and moves them around and they would stay connected to the church community by using church online. And then some unique opportunities where people that had loved ones that were in the military, for example, could have common church experiences with their loved ones that are stationed overseas and have conversation, everything taking place even after church online, they would have the experience together and then afterwards have, you know, moms and, and sons and, you know, conversations at this place group. And of course it did meet that original intent where we see people from all over the world that don't have a connection to a church, possibly even not within the reach of a physical Christian church environment, that church online becomes like kind of an avenue for their church community. So those are advantages and opportunities. Disadvantages are kind of what people would, some people would presume, you know, I mean, there are some limitations about how you can express yourself, the types of emotional engagement interaction that can take place in an online context. There's some advantages and some disadvantages to that. There's some, some ways that's distinctly better. And there's some ways I think that are, are less advantageous. Uh, there's some things you can do with church online that you can't do um, uh, in a physical church environment, like have a conversation about the message while it's going on um, is an example of that. Um, but anyway, those are just a few examples. There, it's not all, uh, there, there's pluses and minuses as you kind of pointed out. Yeah, and like as we kind of, the lay of the land in North America or even around the world, like how common is this pre-COVID-19? I mean, do you know, are there any data out there about- you know, I, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was a, of large churches, everybody streams and a substantial number have an online church platform. I should add to uh, Bobby that we also use your online church platform too. So I think you got across across the call here that do that as well. And um, so among large churches, very normal. I think it's less common, uh, obviously, among smaller churches. And I would say, too, you know, I saw the, you know, you've heard both Micah and Bobby talk about how the interaction is so important. So I, I got to see that in person. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I preached at, um, I brought the message at two churches in Chicagoland. One is, of course, Moody Church, where I'm just I'm finishing up an interim. And the other is uh, called City Church Chicago, which is the uh, which is the the um, local uh, Hillsong affiliate church here. So both you know large churches, both I guess mega churches. And the distinction was, and I, I'm not sure which platform they use, Bobby. It might have been Church Online. By the way, when he says Church Online, it's Church uh, Online Church, and it goes right to their their site. Um, and and then at Moody Church, we primarily, you know, the messages go to radio. And so it has a huge reach and the new pastor is going to do a great job with that. But what we found is the experience is very, very different. Uh, so we got to, you know, interact on Facebook Live at Moody Church, interact in the YouTube comment stream, but nothing like the kind of tools that you can get free through, through church online.church where we would actually, so I would, at, at uh, Moody Church did one service, just because this is the way it's structured, we just do one service. But Chicago, uh, City Church Chicago did, I think, four. And so I got to actually, because they pre-recorded, that's how I did both. One pre-recorded, one didn't. And so I got to actually interact online with the folks at City Church for all but the morning service, because I was at Moody then. And man, I could just, people say, oh, I'm struggling with this. Well, let's take you in the prayer room. They go to the prayer room or, or I'd like to commit my life to Christ. And then they actually send everyone to Zoom sort of, they call them after parties because it's, you know, it's sort of their vibe in the city church. So I do think that one of the things we've learned very early, very early on that already Bobby would have known, but a whole lot of people didn't know is that streaming and having a communal streaming experience 
are not the same thing. And you need a little bit different level of technology. Free, you can actually, as you heard here from uh, online.church, but you need a different thing to have an online communal experience. And when you have that, it's a far better experience with much less drop-off and much more engagement ultimately in the long run. Okay. No, that's good. Thank you guys for sharing that. So let's just talk about it. I mean, obviously, that's, it, it seems like, in, especially in this season, this is very practical. One of my questions when it comes to the church is, what are some of the, are there, what are the scriptural principles? Or, you know, what scriptural support would you say kind of backs this kind of uh, way of doing church? Well, rather than everyone trying to think up a way to find a scriptural verse that talks about online streaming, I mean, that's Second Opinions chapter 4, verse 11, I think is the closest <laughs> we're going to get to that. You know, I think the question we're asking now in this coronavirus crisis is what's the best approximation of what we can experience as church in the moment that we're in? And I think we'd always recognize that if a church, you know, we, we would think of marks of a biblical church, and one of the marks of a biblical church we'd think of is that it has God-delegated leadership. It would be different things and different things. You know, Life Church is part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, so it's got a kind of a rich mix of traditions. I'm in a low church denomination, so we think in terms of pastors, pastor elders, maybe deacons. Okay, but when a church doesn't have pastors, does that does that mean Moody Church hasn't been a pastor, hasn't been a church for the last four years because it didn't have a pastor? No, there's a desire to move towards that. And so right now, I think a lot of us are moving towards an online experience that we'd like to ultimately come back to a restored, fully embodied experience where it's not just electrons and avatars, but it's feet and faces. Um, the tricky part is, is um, you know, is an online campus as good as um, a personal engaged experience? And, and that people will debate that, but I don't think anybody's debating right now that this is a temporary necessity and the best opportunity we have to stay together as God's people in the midst of that. But I would just go through like marks of a biblical church. I'd look at, you know, they broke bread in Acts 2, 42, and, and you know, they, they met at house to house in Acts 20, 20. So, so that's the tricky part. I'm not sure how to walk through that. I'll let these guys uh, throw that out a little more than I would. I, just, I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus because it's going to be hard to find verses that support online streaming. Mm -hmm. So, Dottie, I would let me let me make this analogy if I can. I think right now we acknowledge that there is a unique moment that we need something a little bit different than what we've had in the past, and the online environment is providing that. Praise the Lord! I think there's a divine in the providence of God and His divine wisdom. This is here for this moment. But when we talk to Ed's point about the long term, the analogy in my mind, online church is a little bit like online dating. Like it's awesome for connecting with people. It's awesome for getting to know one another. It's awesome for beginning to develop a relationship, but nobody has online marriage, right? Like there's some certain elements of marriage that you have to be face-to-face -face in person with over the long, long, long term. And so like, this is just the way I'm thinking about it. When some of the things that Ed mentioned, I think apply, I think the one another passages in scripture are difficult to do long-term if we can't be face-to-face -face with one another. I think ecclesia, the word ecclesia in and of itself, right? It means assembling or gathered together. And I think you could make an argument that when people come online that they're gathering, but I think you're probably having to stretch that definition a little bit. I think Ed brought up the embodied concept, right? The, the embodiment concept within Christianity, the incarnation of Jesus was God in becoming an embodied, you know, a, a representative of a savior. 
Uh, we look at the resurrection. Our understanding of the resurrection is that the resurrection is embodied. There is something to the embodied nature of the Christian faith that lends itself to um, to face-to-face interaction. And then I think you've got things like Paul talking about with Timothy, how he learns and examines uh, potential pastor candidates and elder candidates. I think that's hard to do if you're if you're not in a face-to-face reality. So I think all of those are theological things. I think Ed's right. There's no Bible verse that says you can't or you can or and that's why I think we have a lot of flexibility right now. And praise the Lord at this moment. I praise God that we have this tool at our disposal at this moment. But I also recognize that this tool causes me to long for the opportunity to be face-to-face in the room with my people that I love. Even though at my church, you know, it's five services in one campus and there's two or three other campuses with multiple services. So, I mean, even there, I recognize there's still a little bit of distinction. I'm never in the room with all the people all the time, but I, I still think those biblical realities, those theological realities are generally lived out face-to-face, person-to-person. Yeah, that's good. So what I'm hearing you and Ed say is that in to some degree that there needs, that it is okay for this season, for this time, period, but or it is also okay if people are using it to transition to some type of physical reality. But what about those people who are saying, no, I want to plant an online church in my goal. I mean, would you say that, like, is that okay? Is that, is this kind of, or is this an issue of preference? Is it just about wisdom or are we talking about principle? Like a lot of times I like to divide the conversation of yeah. principle, prudence, or preference. Yeah, like, principle, which prudence, prudence. I like that. You know, I would say that people, this is where, Dahadi, that different denominational traditions or theological persuasions will have a different view. None of us here are in a high enough church tradition. The Evangelical Covenant Church would refer to sacraments. My tradition would refer more to ordinances. But in both cases, it's a low enough church tradition that there are going to be churches in those traditions who are even taking the Lord's Supper while people are distant from one another. If you're like an Anglican, just down the road from me is Church of the Resurrection Anglican, Evangelical Anglican Church. You know, they, they are not taking the Lord's Supper. They're not taking the Eucharist or the sacraments because they think that's an embodied reality that you can't do online. So I think this is where it gets, and I think Bobby and I have talked about this in other contexts before, is you have to ask and answer the question, how much of a community can you build online? And is that enough for you and your church to feel that your online campus is as valid and uh, theologically rooted as your campus in, in, you know, in Naperville or your campus in Butte, Montana? And I'm guessing Bobby will have a more uh, open view that that can fully function in that way. And I, my guess is the rest of us because of our dynamics nutrition would be a little bit more that we would see that as an, as an entree into a deeper community or some temporary substitute. But I could be wrong, Bobby. I don't want to talk for, for you. If people differ on this, where, where would you be? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I highlighted my, uh, my lack of a theology degree, so I'm not going to try to overly debate it on a theological perspective, but maybe just kind of approach it um, somewhat practically and how, how we talk about it. Um, I, I think it's real. This scenario we're in right now, this current circumstance, is really interesting to me. Um, one one thing I think that people might be worth noting is people's presumption because of my our experience with church online and my emphasis on on digital tools as a means to reach people uh, might presume that I have 
sort of a perspective that physical church environments are antiquated or incomplete or, or not incomplete, but just, you know, unnecessary or something. And the truth is, I actually am one that predicts that we will come back strong in physical church gatherings and meetings. Um, there's some people debating whether or not this is kind of the beginning of the end of that. And this is like a, a blockbuster Netflix conversation going on right now. Um, regarding church. And I'm not one that prescribes to that at all. I actually feel like there's inherent human attributes, theology aside, there's just human nature attributes that cause us to want to connect with each other. You can look at their history and numerous inventions and technology has come and gone. And, you know, the telephone, all these different things were invented that everyone thought was going to displace people and no longer want people to gather together or meet together. And we've seen repeatedly over just the last couple hundred years, even with new advances, how that's never, that hasn't changed. You know, people still want to do that. But what's interesting to me is that there were a lot of, many years ago when we started, there were a lot of theological debates about the validity of church online as a tool. Um, in fact, just even um, two months ago, three months ago, someone had sent me a pastor and I won't mention who and where or whatever, but that was preaching about how church online and streaming your message is just so wrong and 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 fundamentally not just that it wasn't complete but just that it that it was almost sinful the way he would describe you know the nature of it i haven't followed up to find out what he's doing during covid 19 but it's an inter the interesting perspective is now that we're thrust into an environment where you can't or you're challenged it's become a tool that most everyone has accepted as the closest approximation or the best effort we can do to, to not simply have no way of gathering or connecting, but to have some mechanism. And my, my, my proposition up back to people is let's say when this is over and we have the ability to physically meet in our buildings, the question is what about those people in parts of the world that don't have that capacity and don't have a pathway to a physical church community in Pakistan? And don't have a pathway, you know, to a, a Christian community in the environment that they're in because of where they're at. I'm not presuming that's the only people that attend church online. I know it's not, but there are many that do. So for them, is it the best approximation you know, of community that we can come up with to kind of connect with that community on a going forward basis, not just during COVID-19? Because it yeah. seems like this is a nice little example of all of a sudden our theology sort of aligns briefly out of our necessity of what we're facing and the reality. And then when it goes forward, I just propose that perhaps there's still valid examples of where the, the, the tools can be used to connect people together and be the best approximation of the closest we could come with to reach people that otherwise would go unreached. Yeah, we, we probably yeah. know the person who said that bad thing about <laughs> online. So we, but, but let me, let me, and, and, and let me say too, I think that everyone who there, there are a very small group who think that the best thing is just to wait so we can, you know, communicate by email so we can, don't call it church online, that those two words don't go together. But Dahadi, to get to your question, um, should we plant online churches? Uh, here's, here's Ed's opinion, and it's based both on some practice and some theology. The answer is yes, we should plant churches that are online now and for as long as this crisis creates the need for that, and then they should maintain a substantial online presence and approach, but they should then move to the degree they can and when they can to a more normal ebb and flow, a more Hebrews you know, 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together sort of approach, just like, because here's the thing in church planting, Dottie, you know, you've planted 
you know, people ask me, you know, because I, I believe there are certain uh, marks. I've written on how I think there are six marks that should make up a church everywhere and anywhere should have these marks of a biblical church. And, and we all recognize there are people who have, say, nine. And there are people who you miss, I'll just say five. But there are marks of the biblical church that should be true in every place, everywhere. And the thing is, is when a church is planted, you know, one of the things, for example, I think a mark of a biblical church is covenant community. But you maybe know, the, the I sometimes would call the name of the church. The last church I, I planted was a Grace Church in the Nashville area. And um, Grace Church was called Grace Church before we covenanted with one another. We started having Sunday services. We were still under uh, the authority of another church, or technically we were part of a church in another town. But we still thought of ourselves as a church moving towards creating a church covenant. We, we, wouldn't have, we didn't have membership yet. I think membership is a normal part of the biblical church process. But we didn't have it yet because we were members of this church over that was our mother church. So it's not uncommon for a church plant to start, to call itself a church, to function with as many as the marks of a church that they can function in until they become a fully functioning church. And as we did, maybe a year after we began, our mother church was part of us you know, making a covenant together. And we said, now we're a, we're a standalone, independent, autonomous church. And so, so what I would say is, Start with as much as you can and look towards building to a greater sense of faithfulness, but recognizing that, you know, can a church start without a pastor? Sure. Should, would a church normally have a pastor? Yes. Could a church start without a building? Sure. You know, so there's hundred things that you don't need that we can start with and then move towards as we try to live the fully embodied experience of church out. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to ask too, you know, Micah, is, is, I think I don't think there's be very few people, and I think we've already mentioned that would say that no, don't do anything right now. It was, it's impossible for us to be the church. But the question is, is for those people, it's like no, I believe that in this technologically driven society in this day, I want to do an online church and I want to stay online, and that's what I'm building around that. Are are they? Is it okay? I mean, it may not be our. Is, is, that's what I'm saying. Is it preference, prudence, or principle? Are they? Can they plant a church, stay online without moving towards? So your, your argument is, or your question is, can they plant an exclusively online church? Yes. Always and forever exclusively online. I, all cards on the table, I would say no. I think Ed's right. I think Ed's point is really well taken. I think Bobby has made a really good argument. And, and I would agree with both Ed and Bobby on this point. I think what allows for the online reality right now, not, not just online, right? We're, we all agree that online is good, but we're talking about an exclusively online reality. What allows for it is the necessity of the moment. And Bobby made the argument that there are certain people in certain places globally who the necessity of the moment is not restricted to COVID-19, right? It might be greater than that. And so there's going to be unique opportunities. But, we, but, but I think we all know that, that here in the U.S. in particular, by and large, that's not something that is exclusively available to people. They have the opportunity to move into community. And when we short circuit the ability for them to move to face-to-face community, I think we failed them. All of us on the panel, every single one of us has said we have a preference and a desire to be face-to-face, you know, person-to-person. Now, all cards on the table for, for my church We've made a decision not to practice the ordinances. We don't do communion. We're not doing baptism online during this period. Now, if it was going to last years, I mean, that might cause us to go back and reconsider it. And we think there's maybe a little more evidence for baptism that doesn't happen, you know, in the 
the presence of the church community. We, we can't get our arms around communion or the Lord's Supper. So we're trying to be consistent. We're not doing that. Uh, I, I think you can't, I, I think that's going to be nece- necessary for, for somebody to gather as a church. They're going to have to be in the room together, taking communion, and those sort of things can't happen physically. So my argument is no, if that's their exclusive model and plan. And that's why I use the, the online dating versus online marriage idea, right? So if we're going to use it as an, as an entree, evangelism, introduction, breaking people, you know, it's such an easy way into church community. Praise the Lord for that. Use it and then see if you can push them into something that's much, much better in, in, in the long term than just being exclusively online. That's good. Bobby, I mean, obviously you guys are doing both and you're not just exclusively one, but what would you say about a church that comes to you and say, man, I really value what you guys are doing and I really want to, to do this. I think that we, we can reach, you know, and and do, what what would you say to that person? Yeah. I mean, it it probably, um, I I actually don't really even disagree with some of the thinking that, you know, Ed and them are, uh, Ed and Mike are both are sharing um, I do think for many, it could be a very great kind of pathway into a physical church community, and it can be used that way probably pretty effectively. Um, it kind of depends on a bit of the missional purpose and the reach. And again, that, that's where theology may differ in a little bit. But if people are trying specifically to reach people in a broad geographic reach and create that community, I do think that that can happen. I do think it's important. By the way, it's not just geographic reach to them. Sometimes it's not as evident or obvious, but there are people that are shut in. There are people that have issues that sort of keep them in our own community, in our physical cities from coming into groups and gatherings on a regular basis because of their health issues that are not COVID-19 related. Um, there are other examples of people that would love to be in a church community, but are display, you know, but but can't, you know, physically um, gather and meet. So those are those are some other, you know, not saying they're majority cases, but they're definitely other cases of where the community can be there. What's interesting is there's a friend of mine. I'm trying to draw his, I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Um, is in Florida. They created a church that was designed to be an online church for their city, for their specific area started as an online only um, church service and what happened was everybody it was so popular that everybody it grew and grew but everybody kept wanting to come to the recording or to the place where it's being broadcast from so they couldn't Mm -hmm. fit people in their basement they couldn't fit them you know in the room so the natural response was that the same thing we're talking about people actually want to gather together and and it started like the whole vision was it's just going to be online that's all we're doing, you know, we're, and it's in our basement. People are like, where's this being recorded? Can I come over? Can I just watch it? Can I, you know, and that turned into obviously a physical church service and experience. So yeah, we're, we're multi-campus church, multi-site church, and very much invested in building, you know, physical environments for our church communities to gather as well as passionately using online tools at the same time. We don't think the two things are mutually exclusive. Uh, we do see how they actually work together in many contexts. And I do think that even if you intend for it to be online only, you're going to have people that want to fit, physically gather together. Even at people that don't aren't near our campuses, they actually schedule opportunities to get there for their small groups that meet online to physically go to the same city and do a mission trip together or physically go and connect together. There's also other ways of thinking about it too. Some people can use church online as a way to sort of facilitate a network of house churches. And that's another kind of model for church online where there are physical small communities that are gathering and they're using the church online context to sort of 
drive the teaching or the, you know, kind of the, the, the sermon content across a network of house churches. So there's some other models, I think, that also would be interesting um, that people might want to pursue. Yeah. Fellas, this has been really good. Um, you guys it must be really good because you, you're now we're beyond 30 minutes. We're at 31 oh. minutes officially. So <laughs> you guys are amazing. Um, I, I, one final question is like we can go a speed round around. Is this like if you were to, if someone was considering this, like whether it's just in this COVID-19 or, you know, and beyond, what would be a resource that you would point them to or something of just about how to even, whether it's just maximizing this time or if it is like they're considering in the future, as you just mentioned, Bobby, like facilitating house smaller gatherings, what would you kind of say, what resources or places, websites would you guys point them to? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I mean, we, we, we definitely try to put a lot of resources online, not just about the technology side, but like how we've done church online. So our web, our open, open.life.church website has a bunch of training resources um, that talk about church online. We've been doing Facebook lives throughout this COVID-19 thing to try to answer any questions we can answer. We definitely don't have the recipe or the only way or the only method to do it. Don't proclaim to um, just want to share anything that we've learned or know if it's helpful to others. Um, Phil Cook, I know, has put a bunch of resources together here um, as well on COVID-19, just assembled all sorts of articles he's put together and other resources he's been, I, I, you know, recommend checking him out if you haven't for, um, for some other resources about it as well. But I'm sure the, the other guys have more. That's good. Ed, or Michael, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I don't have specific resources related to the online church concept, other than to say that if you're looking for this, I really would recommend online.church. As, as I said, we've been using it. It's been a game changer for us. But uh, the two books, and so, I mean, Ed's here. I'm going to mention his book, Planting Missional Churches, but Center Church by Tim Keller and Planting Missional Churches by Stetzer, the two best, I think, two probably most helpful to think, help you think through a missiology and a theology of what you're going to do when it comes to why you want to plant, how you're going to plant, that sort of thing. If, if I could drive people to think more deeply, um, I mean, than just, you know, I want to go out and do something, which is awesome. We need that energy, but we need to think through sort of the missiological and theological ramifications. And those two books, I think, can help you do that. Oh, they're Thank gracious. Like uh, uh, Daniel M., co-author of Planning Missional Churches. That's just true. Sure he knows. That's right. Um, yeah, so, so I, I'm... I'm um, we, we actually launched several resources. One is coronavirusandthechurch.com. We did that with Saddleback's Peace Plan and uh, the Humanitarian Disaster Institute, the Billy Graham Center, Rick Warren's kind of video up there telling people about resources. A lot of those are online resources, and a lot of them we point to Life Church. Let me also mention, too, Bobby. Bobby's actually the genius behind the U version as well. So their open-handedness has been a blessing to many of us. So I think those are super helpful. I, I would also say, too, that on the podcast we did, we've done this thing called Leadership in the Coronavirus Crisis. We had uh, Marco Rubio as our last guest. Bobby's been a guest. Um, we've talked about all kinds of issues. We're up to the 20s in the, in the season one. And the most listened to is actually the one by Neil Cole. And Neil Cole is, you know, organic church expert. And that's the most listened to of all of them. I mean, Bobby's is way up there, but Neil's is the most listened to. <laughs> and, and I think that does have some long-term implications. I do think that a church has certain marks like that we want to be evident and see in the life of the church. And I think one of those would normatively be meeting together. 
And I think too, and I appreciate, I'm kind of where Mike is like on the Lord's Supper. I think low church traditions can push that out to smaller groups and communities, but that's kind of where we are, would be as well. But here's what I think we need to ask. If 18 months from now, we're still not meeting together, which I don't think is going to happen, but because it, it's going to go up and down. You know, I talked to kind of a friend in the White House who says, you should expect the end of April that we go to states and, you know, it might be really bad in Illinois, but it's not that bad in Oklahoma. And so Oklahoma's meeting, Illinois is locked down. We need to push more of the functions of church life out from the gathered worship on Sunday morning. So that may mean, let's say Micah's example, Micah, they don't want to take the Lord's Supper together. I'm actually the same place theologically. But if you're six months from now, you're going to probably see that your church is really now a series of 200 churches of 25 with people beginning to function and your church is agreeing together that they're going to partake and they're going to function like little house churches as well. So what I would say in all those cases, there is a mediated form. There's something we're doing to help us get there. And we want that to be as faithful as we can until we get to the fullness of what ultimately we want to see. If 18 months from now, we can't meet together and the and church, and I don't think it's going to happen. I've seen some you missional theorists throw out the idea, this is the end of the large church. The Spanish flu epidemic um, came and gone, and there's still all kinds of large churches. But here's what I would say. Let's try to do what we think is best in our understanding of scripture and understanding of the mission. I like what Bobby said, our missional call, always asking the question that six months from now, a year from now, how do we make this more faithful and more fruitful to what God's called us to be? Where we start doesn't mean where we end. Start online churches, start community ministries that lead to churches, recognize there's an end in mind and work towards that. And I think God will, I think God will honor that. And I'm even people come to different conclusions to me. I wouldn't have a purely online church, but you know, I also deeply thankful for the work of the Salvation Army, but they don't practice baptism in the Lord's Supper in any of their churches because they have a long historical reason for doing that. I'm still unthankful for what God's doing through the Salvation Army. I'm going to be thankful for what God does through churches. I wouldn't start an online church like that. I wouldn't do something others would do, but when the gospel's preached, I'm going to rejoice wherever it's preached. That's great. Man, on that note, that was a great, great ending. Thank you. We're going to take our offering. We appreciate you. Um, fellas, thank you. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. This is going to be extremely helpful for us to kind of, you know, work through some of these things and just, you know, allow some of our pastors and planners and missionaries as, as they continue to engage both now and then even beyond on the other side of COVID-19. So thank you. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.